Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hey, here we are. Here we are. We, we feel like we should apologize. We often do this show on a, on a cell phone, on a smartphone, because it's all we have with us as we travel around. But we figure that the, uh, the weird ambiance and sound effects you'll hear sometime will all be part of the show. Remember that one time we, we did the show with three of our grandkids in the backseat? Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> they ended up singing for you, though, so that was okay. And one time in the, the line at the airport, that one was not good. <laughs> oh, that's right, because those and darn airport announcements keep coming on. You, anyway. know, you know, if some airline would put in a really nice high-fidelity stereo system instead of that squawking, you know, if they do that at the airports, they could make it so melodious and nice. They could say, Flight 392 is now boarding, and it would just sound so pleasant instead of those terrible speakers. Oh, it would be nice, um, especially just because we've come from Southeast Asia, which we're going to be talking about today. Um, oh, by the way, and I'm, I, you think I'm negative about airports, but all the airports in Southeast Asia are gorgeous. They're just gorgeous airports. Yeah, they are so modern and beautiful. And then I think of people from other countries coming into the U.S. landing at JFK and thinking, my gosh, I've landed in a third world slum. It really is. Maybe they're better now, but, you know, as of last year, they were pretty bad. Just really filthy carpet and, and aisles with low ceilings forever. So imagine somebody flies into JFK and then gets on the New York City subway. They don't want to go straight home. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they just thought it was an experience, which it truly is. Well, we've been on the road this week to St. George. We are actually speaking from southern Utah today. And um, we are kind of glad to be home. Well, we were home for 12 days. You have to admit that's a long stretch. We got, we got home. For, for us, 12 days is a nice long stretch. And I want to tell some of you loyal listeners, we're not, we're not gadflies. I mean, you know, people might say, well, hires on the road. You're always traveling. Don't you ever go home? You must be sick of traveling. And you're actually right in a way. I mean, travel is not what it's cracked up to be, especially long-distance air travel, especially flying coach. But we do it, and we do it not because we love the travel part, but we love what we do when we get there. We love meeting with parents all over the world and talking to them about their children and their priorities and so on. And I have to tell you, it's kind of fun traveling with Linda. I used to travel a lot on business by myself, and I hated that so bad. Oh, my goodness. We have the most fun job in the whole world well, because we get, we get to go, to go together. together. Right. It's so awesome. I feel so sorry for people that have to spend so much time on their own on the road. So, And especially because there's nobody home. And we, well, except for our daughter's dropping in next week during spring break. We got to tell she was coming, and we aren't going to be there. So, anyway... Well, that was kind of, but that was kind That's of, the, kind of the, 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 the thing I wanted to sort of explain, I'm a little embarrassed about hires on the road thing, but we, we really, we, you know, ever since some of our books did quite well, we've had more speaking invitations than we could, than we could handle. And for many years, that was okay. And I, I mean, what we did is we just limited it. We would only go about once every two weeks and we'd usually only go to places where we could be gone one night and then be back home and we'd, we'd find a good babysitter and we'd leave the kids and a lot of times 
the kid's favorite babysitter was a young couple that had a baby because then they could play with the baby. But anyway, we would do that. But then once the last of our kids went off to college, we sort of felt like, hey, we're empty nesters. We better start accepting these invitations. And so for the last few years, we've probably been gone as much as we've been home. And I I, I keep saying we're going to cut back and Linda keeps saying, but there's but there's too many places we haven't been yet. We've got to keep going. No, I, I just I do love travel. I really think it's so fun because we learn so much, which we're going to talk about today. We have to tell you that um, BYU Radio has a wonderful uh, blog, and you can find it by B, just going to www.byuradio.org. And today we're going to talk about the, the photographs that are there. Which our producer Ben has so beautifully placed there. We love Ben, by the way. He's a great producer, and we're he's going off on an internship to Japan in a little while. Can you believe Ben would do that and leave us just to go on an internship to Japan? Yes, I yes, can believe absolutely. it. Yes, absolutely. That's the best <laughs> we'll, place to be. We'll hope we get him back when he returns. But at any rate, he. He did put some photos up on BYURadio.org if you want to take a look at them. One of the funnest things we we did in Jakarta, let me just give you a summary. We we went to Bali and spent some time with our with our adult children there, and that's wonderful. We talked, we talked about, about that last week. But then we went off to Jakarta, one of the largest cities in the world, and I must say one of the dirtiest and one of the most congested but the capital of Indonesia, of course, and many of you know Indonesia is the, the fourth biggest country in the world, So, and Jakarta is probably the, one of the top ten biggest cities in the world. And one of the most Muslim cities yeah. in the world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And uh, actually, in Jakarta, there is no infrastructure on the roads. No, no, none no. at all. They have roads, but they have no subway. Imagine a city of 20 million people with no public transportation. Nothing. They have these little tiny, they're like minivan sizes, where they squash 25 people in there and charge them 10 Well, and they're not even official. They're just they're, people yeah, they're who just drive people around. Yeah, they want to make a little bit of money, but there is nothing. I, I did see a couple of buses, I have to say, but there is nothing like a light rail or railroad or underground or anything like that. So... In a four-lane highway, there's eight lanes of people yeah. and motorcycles. I bet you there are 100,000 motorcycles in Jakarta. Oh, more than that. I think more than that. Oh, maybe a million. Yeah, there are nine million bicycles in Beijing, so there must be nine million mopeds in Jakarta. But anyway, just to finish the itinerary, we went, we went to Jakarta after Bali, and then we went to Kuala Lumpur, and then we went to Singapore. Three really interesting cities where we had spoken before, but on this occasion, instead of speaking to business groups and and uh, their spouses, as we often do on these longer trips, we were speaking to uh, multi-religious groups. But we were speaking to ecumenical groups that had Christians and Buddhists and Muslims. Certainly, a lot of Muslims. And and some, Hindus. and some Hindus, and in a way, in a way, that's kind of our favorite audience because, as we've said before on this show, it doesn't matter when you're there talking about parenting and about your children and about your hopes and dreams and fears and worries for your kids. That sort of rises above 
any religious differences, even any political differences, even any socioeconomic differences. So, so we love it when we've got a highly diverse group. And I, I wanted to start by mentioning the one in Kuala Lumpur, Linda, because what we did there. Um, oh, you want to go in order of the pictures? Well, up? we ought to talk about the pictures if, if they happen to. Well, be. I just while I was on that though, I just wanted to say that the Kuala Lumpur one was particularly interesting because it was held in a Buddhist temple, and yet it was sponsored by a Christian group and a Muslim group. Yes, actually, that was Singapore. <laughs> oh, was that the Singapore one? Oh, man, I'm glad I've got Linda here. Yeah, that's um, true, you're right. But it was a really spectacular experience. Honestly, we um, were invited to go by our church, the LDS Church, and it was quite amazing because they really organized this in a way that it was sponsored by a Muslim group called Jemaya, which is a fabulous group that supports all communities, all religions, and uh, they had a big banner out there for us and a beautiful stage. Well, a Muslim group, but like you say, they support, a Muslim group. Right. But it was a Buddhist, um, what would you call it? I mean, it was a beautiful It was a big facility. Buddhist temple. Yeah, it was huge. It was a facility. I don't think it was a temple, but there was a big auditorium, and there was a big, um, there was a room where people were chanting, and it was just really exciting. In fact, they greeted us with drums. They had a little drum orchestra. Oh, that was Perfect. great. It was the first time we've ever had to walk through a, a little, like a, a corridor. corridor of drummers. Drum. But I wanted to say, I'm sorry, I misspoke about uh, Kuala Lumpur. Actually, in Kuala Lumpur, we, we were presenting in the auditorium of the Christian teaching college where, where people were going to become ministers in Christian faiths. But again, a lot of Muslims came and a lot of uh, a lot of Buddhists, particularly a lot of Muslims. And so, again, we love the diversity because of the unity that's created when you begin talking about your children. But uh, parenthetically, I did want to say the difference, if you want two cities and they happen to be very close to each other, of course, because they're both in Southeast Asia, but two cities that are exactly the opposite of each other, then you want to go do what we did and visit Jakarta and then go over to Singapore. <laughs> One has no infrastructure, no organization. It seems to be in utter chaos. The other one runs like a clock, runs like a Swiss watch. I mean, Singapore... You just don't step out of line in Singapore. If you spit on the sidewalk, it's a $500 fine. fine. <laughs> if you don't flush the toilet, you are fined. However, that worries me about how they know whether or not you flush the toilet. <laughs> I don't know if they have a secret camera everywhere, but they it is really quite an amazing place. In fact, um, it's a wonderful educational experience for kids. Well, wonderful to the point where they think they press their kids too hard. They go all day, everything. Like so many, like so many Asian countries, their their supreme goal in life is to get their kids into a high level university, and believe me, they'll do anything to do that. And, And a lot of these kids. They're they're six years old and they're in cram school, which is another four hours of school after their regular school's over every night. It's a little over the top. And Japan, they were doing that when we were there as well. Um, China, I'm sure they do. I I mean, they're brilliant kids, but part of it is because they really study. I mean, it's a whole different educational world. 
But um, I just was, we were doing some research on a book we were doing this weekend. I noticed there's a documentary now called Race to Nowhere. And that is really interesting because they're killing themselves to get these kids a great education. But at the same time, who knows whether they're even going to get a job, how well um, adjusted they are socially and and how well they can relate to people and so on. That that counts too. And so we're not we're not judging. We're not, we're not one critical. Well, we are. We're a little critical because we can see we can kind of recognize when something's gone a little bit to extremes, but. I did want to, we're going to jump around a little between these three cities where we spent our time on this last trip, but I I did want to say on Singapore that uh, it's a classic example of what a society goes through as it develops, and we're seeing this happening in many countries of the world, but Singapore is kind of an extreme example where for a while, you know, uh, the, the zero population was the was the goal. I mean, the early in the early days, Singapore didn't want to. You know, they, they, you can see why they have a very limited space. It's a small country. It's a city and a country both. And so, you know, they were trying to limit population. But as happens so often, it worked a little too well. And Singapore now has the lowest birth rate of any country in the world of over two hundred recognized sovereign countries. Singapore has the lowest birth rate. It's 0.81. In other words, on, on average, a woman has 0.8 child. child. <laughs> and so there, you have to be at 2.1 to even have a replacement rate. So Singapore now has the difficult problem of trying to import a workforce because they don't have they don't have a workforce. Their workforce is declining all the time. Well, they're doing something about it though. They're offering twenty thousand dollars in. What, credit? Tax yeah, that's, credit? that's the cycle. For every and, child. And we see this happening. So countries get population growth so low that they start offering, like you say, Linda, 20 grand for, for just as a cash bonus if, if you have a child. If you have a second child, you get another 20,000. Where were those people when we were having our That's what I say. Oh, my goodness. We need to well, take a brief break, but we'll be back and give offer, for what it's worth, some more observations about families and parenting in... Southeast Asia. So stay with us and we'll see you right after the break. Ayers on the Road, parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. So Linda got after me during the break because I'm not following the order of our trip or of the pictures that she sent in for the BYU radio blog. So I'm sorry, honey. I'll, I'll repent. We'll go back to those pictures. Well, that's all right. It's just that um, you never know what Richard Iyer's going to do, but it's okay because I'm used to it. Okay, so... Um, that was a backhanded compliment. <laughs> I have to say that um, Jakarta, even though we saw all 15 million motorcycles that were there, or they, they weren't really motorcycles, they were scooters. Mopeds. Mopeds. Um we did make it from the airport. It was about 30 kilometers, which is about 25 miles, right? 20 miles. Yeah, it only took what? It was three hours. Three hours. Three hours. And uh, But we made it to our destination, and we really had such a good time with a press conference there. Um, the guy who was in charge runs international golf tournament uh, tours so that people want to go see the golf tournaments 
he's he and his wife run these tours and so he knew what he was doing and he knew a lot of media people. Well, we felt like the we felt like the paparazzi was after us. We had about fifteen reporters in a press conference and I looked around and they were they all had cameras. I looked around at them and I thought, you know, this is pretty great. I, I mean, anything bad I might have to say about Jakarta would be mitigated by the fact here we are talking about parenting and families, and we got 15 reporters here. I mean, you wouldn't get that in the U.S. No, that's you, you know, if you were looking for a lost airplane or if there was a, a school shooting, you'd have a lot of media. But if you, if you had a parenting conference, you wouldn't have all the major newspapers there. So it's pretty great. Well, and again, a lot of credit to our hosts. We had a wonderful missionary couple by the name of Wiker. Wicker. Well, I call him Wicker. You call him Wicker, but they call themselves Wicker. But they, you know, Mike and Suki, we can agree on that. Yeah, and they, and they are the ones that got the press to come out along with our host there. But well, Jimmy actually uh, did a lot of work too because he lives in Jakarta, and so um, we had so much fun. Again, they had a beautiful banner there, which is on the uh, post, and. Also, uh, we had a translator. This is the only place we really had oh, a translator. Oh, he was an awesome translator. He was terrific. But you never know. It's a little scary with the translator what um, they actually say to the audience. Yeah, sometimes when, they, when, when you were serious and then the uh, translator gets a laugh, you, you sort of wonder if he might have <laughs> not translated it right. But, no, but he was great. And it does take twice as long, but... While we were there, this young mother ran up to me, threw her arms around me, and said, Oh, my goodness, I am the one that organized all of the Power of Mom, Moms retreats in Australia. And her husband was working at the embassy in Jakarta now, and she said, I canceled my trip to Bali so I could say hello. And it was Well, so Power of Moms, as some of you listeners know, is our daughter's organization, powerofmoms.com. It's an awesome thing, and, th- and what a... What a coincidence to run into their Australian coordinator right there in in Jakarta. But I want I want you to pause, listeners, and think about how interesting this is. That what's happening in a lot of the world is that people are getting really into parenting, and it's sort of a it's sort of a trend that America set maybe ten years ago, you started hearing more about the art of parenting, the science of parenting, more books, more more people talking about it, more dads getting involved than ever before. You go back 20, 25 years, people didn't talk much about parenting. You know, that you, you were a mom or you were a dad and you did the best you could, but it wasn't a subject, it wasn't a discipline, it wasn't a section in the, in the bookstores. And so that really happened here maybe 20, 25 years ago. And now that trend is is, is really going worldwide. I yeah, mean, there, there are people, and it's like, give us all you can. Give us all you can because we want to be good parents here, and we want to do better. You know, and, and like you say, Linda, sometimes it's it's a little too much. Like, we want to have A students. We want to get them into good colleges. So a lot of what we talked about there was balance. The idea of, of course, of course, your schooling for your kids is important, but don't think it's the only thing. Are you teaching them character? Are you teaching them values? Are you doing some things that will give them 
a chance to live a happy life. Well, I think some of them just have never had parenting training because it hasn't been an issue, and then suddenly it's just become something that really interests them because everyone wants the best for their kids. They all want the same thing. They want their kids to be happy, but they haven't necessarily had training. So we were thrilled with how interested they were in what we had to say. Part of it, of course, is that they're, they have so few children, and in a way, that's a mixed blessing. If you just got one child, you tend to really hover over that. You're a helicopter parent almost by definition. Oh, well, when we're in China, we yeah. see six adults hovering over every little emperor and empress because they can only have one child. So both parents and both sets of grandparents are with them in the museum. They're with them at the zoo. They're with them at dinner. It really is a whole different mindset. And then the kids end up uh, paying a price for it, I think. Well, let me just say that before we get too far away from Jakarta, um, you, when just when you think there is nothing really um, clean and well taken care of in Jakarta, although we had a beautiful hotel, I have to say, it was absolutely beautiful, and that there are beautiful places. But we, I went to the most beautiful place in Jakarta, which is the Jakarta Zoo. Honestly, it was awesome. Driving there was awesome because I saw everything from uh, the prostitute district to beautiful homes to, um, you know, people in absolute squalor. But um, we went into the zoo, we drive into this place, and you just stay in your car the whole time, and these animals just come and stick their nose in your car. You buy carrots. Oh, you're just saying that, Linda, because you want people to look on BYURadio.org and see you with a lion. Linda got oh, to hold a real live lion. Yeah, they just sent me it in. It scares me. I'm looking at it right now. It's a huge lion, Linda. I mean, they just turned him around. They put him down. I think and he's they, put, they dra- draped his leg over my leg and said, put your arms around his neck. And I said, okay. And he said, don't touch his head. And I said, okay. Don't and touch his teeth. <laughs> don't put your Don't put your head in his mouth. But honestly, he was a darling little lion. Um, He's a huge lion. He weighs 800 pounds. Look at it. Yeah, he is. He is a big lion, but I uh, like him a lot. Anyway, uh, it was a gorgeous zoo, and every animal you can imagine, and the facilities were absolutely stunning. It was absolutely an amazing place. I would suggest anybody, if you go to Jakarta, go to the zoo. Anyway, going on to Kuala Lumpur, um, we met some fascinating people there. The picture on the post shows us with... Um, a doctor who is um, not a, well, was he? Yeah, he's a doctor, doctor, but he's also a newspaper columnist, and, and they're really involved with dis- disabled children as wives of this conference. Well, and his wife. Yeah. But this woman is named Ellie, who is absolutely amazing. She has organized a home for 52 really disabled children whose parents yeah, cannot severely. take care of them during the day. And uh, that's one of the things that we, that's a real blessing, don't you think, Linda, that the, the kind of speaking we do, we end up meeting a lot of folks who are really selfless in their devotion to children and oftentimes, oftentimes kids with big problems. Well, and this Ellie was just remarkable. She's kind of the Mother Teresa of Jakarta, and she has done so much good. She brought three rows of darling little Muslim girls whom all with scarves and abayas and so on um, who were helping her with the children at the home. They're her teachers. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. 
And um, I have to say in Kuala Lumpur, when we were going from there to Singapore, I sat by the strangest man on Malaysia. Oh, my gosh. We thought he was a terrorist. I'm sure that he was having a panic attack over that plane that went down. But honestly, he could not sit still. He was running his hands through his hair 50, 100 times. Then he disappeared. We thought he was back in the... Then he talked in his sleep. Then he disappeared and did not come back. So... The steward is funny. Did find him in the back after we landed, but that was really wild. I'm sure a lot of people are having reactions, just like 9/11. You know, people reacted about that for a long, long time. But anyway, although you know what they say, it's probably the safest time to fly on Malaysia Airlines is probably now because they're so careful about everything. So who knows? Yeah. But anyway, then on to Singapore. I did want to say that the parents in Singapore. It's so ironic because they're having, you know, you think that it's extreme in this country. A lot of the professional people there will wait until they're in their late 30s, and, and then they'll try to start a family, much, much as we see in New York and other big cities in the U.S., but even less successfully so. And so you run into a lot of people who would really like to have a, a child, but they've waited too long. And now they can't uh, they can't get pregnant and can't have a child and and you meet a lot of them who are wishing that maybe they'd prioritized a little differently in their lives and we try not to you know I mean you, well, what can you do uh, we we encourage them to adopt because well a lot of the parents in Singapore are Chinese and but the people we met with the school. And also um, a very interesting woman who was the Speaker of Parliament who introduced us there, which was so fun. But I just have to say before you talk about her, um, the fact that we went with these school um, teachers and administrators, and I've never seen people with more beautiful faces, full of life, full of joy being involved with these little children and doing such a great job with them. Well, I, I echo that, Linda. Anyone in there, unfortunately, are a lot of Americans who prejudge Muslims, and you really ought to stop it if you do that, because these these wonderful Muslim family-oriented people who make up the mainstream of the Muslim faith and of Islam are really, really fantastic. We're, we're pretty much out of time, but just in closing, I, I do want to say that... Uh, Here's what ends up happening in a country like Singapore. They they encourage zero population, then the population growth goes down into the negative territory. Then they start encouraging, and they now have a department of government called the Department of Community and Family Development, and that's the department encouraging people to have more kids and trying to train parents. Imagine, that would be like if we had a cabinet position, the Secretary of Families, so in closing, we hope that all of us in this country, this beautiful country of America, will get behind parenting and understand it is our future. We'll see you next week. On the road. Bye-bye. 